You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information about Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join Pastor David Hilton for this week's message. The title of my message is Hearts on Fire. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's some hearts being set on fire right now. And one thing about the day in which we live, with all the drastic changes, come on, y'all know there's been some drastic changes in the last year and a half and, uh, and that are taking place in our culture, in, in this entire country. It, it makes you stop and ponder, you know, what's going on? You know, where are we at? You know, what's God doing? What am I doing? You know, where are we headed? I mean, there's a lot of things to ponder, you know. Is, is this thing sal- salvageable, you know? I, I mean, what disaster or pandemic's coming next? You know, do I need to buy toilet paper or do I need to buy bullets? We, we don't even know anymore, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, I mean, we're just caught up, you know, just... One thing I've learned in the rodeo business all these years, and I still apply even today, is you prepare and you plan, but you prepare to adapt and overcome. Because one thing about the rodeo business, and when you're dealing with animals, at any point, any given moment, things are all going to go awry, you know? And so you prepare and you plan, but you prepare to adapt and overcome. And and that's just how it happens because you're trying to put on a rodeo in two and a half hours and a bull is not going to want to participate. And you're going to have to adapt and you're going to have to overcome. And somebody's going to get hurt and somebody's going to have to be drug out and somebody's going to want to fight and somebody's not going to like the judges and you just adapt and you overcome. And it, you just do that and you still do your rodeo in two and a half hours. Come on, are y'all in here with me? That's where we find ourselves today in this culture that we live in. And, and that's the deal. We serve a God that he's not affected by all this cancel culture or corrupt government. He's not affected by that at all. It's just what Kobe said. He he is enthroned on the praises of his people. And God's not affected by time and matter. He is outside that. He's the one that created the earth and the heavens and everything, all that matter. He created all that. He created time for us. He's outside of that. He's not affected by it. That's why he's a miracle working God. That's why he's too good not to believe is because he's the one in control of everything and he lives right here inside of me. Come on. He's not affected by all of that. So what do you want to believe? You want to believe that it's all over and we're all, come on. Or do you want to believe that God can bring the prodigals home? He can restore families. He can heal cancer. Come on, he's outside of all of that. Come on, he can fix marriages. He can, come on, are y'all with me? He's too good not to believe. I've seen it with my own eyes. He's outside of all these, are y'all with me in here? He can restore, put families back together. He can, come on, he can take a past that was a shameful mess and he can fix that. Come on, look around. 
we were all there. We were all ashamed and a mess. And we're still walking out of our mess. Even this guy right here. We're all walking out of it. Come on, that's how good God is. That's how good God is. And we serve that God. And he ain't worried about this progressive movement that is calling good, evil, and evil good. Because that's where we're living right now. We're living in that world. In John 15 and 8, 18, it says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. I'm telling you, this progressive socialist agenda movement, it hates Christianity. It hates the word of righteousness. It always wants to try to bait us. Bait us as racist, bait us as bigoted, bait us as unloving, bait us into debates that mean nothing. Come on. He's always trying to do that. But he's not. Listen, you got two types of people that hate the word of Jesus Christ. And that's people who love going and making decisions out of fleshly desires. They're going to hate the word of truth. They're going to hate it. The other people that hate it are the people stuck in religious ruts because they like their religious ruts. They like that. And they're just, that's just how it's going to be. But that doesn't mean you stop living your life. Are y'all with me? See, and as days went by after Jesus' resurrection, after he was risen from the dead and after the tomb was empty, there was a lot going on. And I mean, at the same time that the confirmation was going on that Jesus had risen from the dead, there was also an enemy, a devil, trying to sow seeds of doubt, come on, and fear and worry and anxiety all at the same time that he was confirming that he was risen. All this is going on. A lot of strange things were happening. I mean, dead people were coming out of graves and being seen in the towns. And, and there was, I mean, the sky went dark and the earth quaked and the veil in the temple was torn. And, and I mean, people were just, it, they were freaked out. I mean, there was some spooky stuff going on. And people were like, hey, whew, man, we, they're just trying to wrap their head around it. And at the same time, the devil is sowing seeds of doubt. And here's the thing about it. Our lives today is what's going to confirm the empty tomb. Our lives of being drug addicts, alcoholics, hooked on pornography, you know, coming out of adultery, fornications, and every sin that misses the mark that God set for us, our lives, when we start hitting that mark of what God called us to do and to be, is confirming that he is risen and that he can change lives and that there is grace and there is mercy. Come on, are y'all with me? And what we're gonna do is, is we're gonna pick up a conversation between two guys on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And behold, two men 
behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. Now, here's what you have to understand. After a few days, Mary and uh, and the other Mary, and, and they were going and prepared some spices, went to the tomb. The tomb was empty. They go back, tell the disciples, and they're all going, what? You know, and they're like rolling their eyes. Well, Peter, he gets up takes off running, him and John, sure enough, get there, look into the tomb, tomb's empty, and then these two men are walking back to Emmaus, and here's what it says, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were conversing with each other about all the things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Now, here's what we find ourselves in even today is that a lot of times what happens is we get caught up in all the what that is going on and we fail to recognize the why, what Jesus is doing. What's been going on? And it says they were reasoning and examining. In other words, they were trying to wrap their head around everything that was going on. And I mean, because they, there was just so many strange things happening. And I mean, it was like an instant culture change. It's like an instant, man, wait a minute. Something huge just happened. What just happened? And it says they were walking along and then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he's walking along with them. Now here's what you have to always remember is you're gonna have to always remember in these times of all this noise that's happening, you're gonna have to remember what Jesus said. You're gonna have to remember what the word says because you got so much going on. You got religion, and you've got the heathen, progressive movement. Come on. And so you're always going to have religious people trying to take you back to that rut. Take you back to the same old system that's broke and has been broke. Come on, wasn't yielding any fruit. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of heaven be taken away from you and given to someone producing the fruit of it. At some point when we stop, get stuck in a rut and get too religious for our own good, get ready. Come on. Y'all still with me? See, Jesus shows up to these guys. He just begins to walk along with them. And it's, it is so funny that the great thinkers, I, when I was reading, I was reading about Emmaus. I looked up, uh, Emmaus and was kind of wanting some history of it. And here's what's so funny. All the great theologians and thinkers, you know what they were arguing about? They weren't arguing about what just all happened. They begin to argue about where Emmaus was. Because <laughs> Luke, all Luke wrote was is it was seven miles. He didn't say east, north, west, so that's what they honed in on to argue about is where it was. And I thought, you know, that's just how we do. 
we get to arguing over the dumbest things. When it don't, it doesn't matter where Emmaus was. What was what mattered was is the conversation that was happening. And the more I began to read, I could see what was really going on here and why Jesus had to show up. Because his word says where two or three or more gathered in his name, in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. And a lot of times we get to thinking way too much and we miss what Jesus is doing right amongst us. Come on. We like to make things more spooky deep than they really are. Because it makes us look more righteous, more godly. <laughs> oh, man. So these two are walking along, and what they're doing is, they're ex their words conversing and discussing they're exchanging thoughts of reason. Now that's very important. They're exchanging their thoughts of reason and they're examining everything that's going on. And so Jesus shows up and it's always funny because, you know, there's a lot of stuff to sort out a lot of times in our own lives, right? I mean, how we got here, what we just went through, what's going on. And that's why this message is so important in our time is because we've got a lot to sort out. And we can't get caught up in the events that are taking place and miss the Jesus in our midst. Listen, and here's, here's what's great. Look what he says in verse 17. And he said to them, what are the words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleo answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? I could just see a big smile coming on his face. <laughs> Buddy, if you, you have no idea how aware I am. Of what just happened. Yeah, yeah. I tried to duck this. Yeah, he says, are you the only one? And he said to them, another question. What things? Jesus was amazing about asking questions to make us think. And that's what's so sad about all our religion nowadays. They're trying to do just what our culture is trying to do is tell us what to think. And Jesus didn't show up saying, here's what I want you to think. Let me help you think in the right direction. And so Jesus begins automatically even showing up here to help them sort out what's really going on up here. And to make them think so they they so that they can get understanding. Because see, you can get all the knowledge, but if you ain't got understanding of it, it don't mean spit. Come on. I can tell you how to go sort bulls. I can sit there and walk you through it on the phone because I had to do that on our last intern. I could see him struggling. I got on the phone. I said, you're in the wrong place. Back up a little bit. 
He backed up. And amazing how those bulls just kind of calmed down. I said, now walk on back over towards that set of trees. He walked over towards that set of trees and then they went right where he wanted them to go. But until you get the understanding where a bull looks and where he's, what he, come on, are y'all with me? That conversation wouldn't have helped him at all. But if you can get understanding of why that bull's thinking that way, why he locked up, why he's not going to where you want him to go, then you can get him to where he's going as soon as you can understand what's going on. Are y'all with me? See, that's pretty simple. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's moving them into a position to be able to understand what just all happened so that they can have peace. Come on. We need peace of what's going on right now. We need to learn how to read the times and what's happening. What made the men that came to David so great when he was in a cave and the kingdom of Israel was turned upside down because Saul had died and Jonathan had got killed too and, and the kingdom is going through all this, what it said was is the men of Issachar came to him and they understood the times that they lived in. We've got to get an understanding of what's going on and what's happening. Because if we fail to do that and we just show up at church and just wait to go to heaven, we're just going to get beat the hell up. Come on. So a lot of crazy things are happening. Jesus shows up and he begins to explain to them. And they, in verse 20, they said, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him up to the sent to the sentence of death and crucified him. Look in verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman also had said, but him they did not see. And so now here we get a true understanding of what's going on. They were thinking, they were hoping that he was who he said he was. And now when things didn't pan out just like they had hoped, failed expectations set in, their understanding, it wasn't like they had planned it or pictured it. And all of a sudden, a wrench was thrown in the gears. Hey, we don't know, wait a minute. We were hoping that this prophet, come on, what does a prophet do? He tells the truth, right? And a prophet is a foreteller. He is an inspired speaker. This is all very important 
Because here, what does Proverbs tell us in, uh, it's Proverbs, uh, hold on. I'll find it. I jotted it down somewhere in my notes. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart grow what? Sick. And that's always our problem. We get fired up in whatever thing's going on. And listen, what's happening is you can't help you have emotions and you have feelings. You can't help that. God put those in you. But what has to be helped is you have to direct your emotions and feelings according to the word of God. And now we get some failed expectations of hope because they were hoping that this Jesus was going to redeem Israel. They were hoping that he was going to ransom those captive by Rome, by the religious oppression. Come on. See, they were thinking temporal and Jesus is always thinking eternal. And that's why in the, in Paul says you got to get an eternal mindset. Because if your mind is just set on the temporal around you, what Jesus say, in this world you'll have tribulations, but take courage, I've overcome. See, we have to begin to remember. And he says, my peace I give to you. Why? Because in this world, yep, you're going to have broke legs, you're going to have bruises, you're going to have cuts, you're going to have things happen. Come on. You're going to get in wrecks. Things are going to happen. You're going to react the wrong way. Come on, that's what Kobe didn't tell you this morning. A horse hit him inside the head and he hit the horse back and he was just at the right distance, hit him in the eyeball and had to take him to the vet. See, things are going to happen. Sometimes we react and then we've got to repent and say, God, you're going to have to get me out of this. Come on, are y'all hearing me? See, sometimes we get ourselves in a mess. But praise God, grace walks us. Come on. Grace helps us. The horse is going to keep his eyeball. It cost him $300, but praise God. Huh? See, sometimes there's consequences for you acting stupid. I know. We all know. Sometimes there's consequences for us reacting out of emotion. Come on, man. This is just good stuff. See, and, and we forget that there's an eternal purpose to everything that God does in our life. And here's what was going on. Jesus did redeem us. But not only did he, he, they were only looking at their time in 33 AD. But God was looking in BC and in 2021 AD. Come on. His bigger picture of redemption is way bigger than what we could have ever thought. And these guys were hung up 
in only their captivity. See, sometimes that's what we do. We're only hung up in our situation, in our circumstance. Come on, man. See, Jesus was the prophet. He was the inspired speaker. And it says he was mighty indeed. In other words, in work and labor and his actions. He was mighty And the word, it says, and he was mighty in word. That is the divine expression of God. Jesus was the divine expression of God. If they would have not just been looking at a prophet, they would have seen the whole picture. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They were just inspired by what he was saying right then. And then the acts drew them in. The deeds and the words drew them in. See, and that's why it's hard for us to not uh, see. Oh, hang on. I can't. Hold on. Jesus communicated and was the very utterance and reasoning voice for the Father. See, and they were trying to reason and discuss and examine all that was going on. And Jesus showed up. He is the very extension of the divine expression, the thoughts and the ideas that God had for his people and their role for his kingdom. Come on, read that again. He was the extension of the divine expression, the thoughts and ideas that God had for his people and their role of his kingdom here. And when you just break Jesus down to just getting saved, sitting down, going to heaven, you lose everything and you walk around in confusion trying to figure out What's going on, never touching the monkey. Come on, if y'all ain't know know what that, what does that mean? Go watch Big Jim's deal on on our, uh, what is it called? Our our website, yeah. (laughs) I, I get lost in podcast, video. It used to just be simple. You plugged in a big old VCR tape and you could... Ain't that simple anymore, but it's, I mean, it's podcasts. It ain't even CDs anymore. You know, I mean, I thought eight-track tapes was the best thing ever invented, and I still do. You know what I mean? You could lose an eight-track tape under the seat of your pickup truck, pull it out a year later, (gasps) blow it out and stick it in, and man, Journey is back up and rocking. You know I mean? You know, I mean, then they messed up with cassettes and uh, it just went downhill, went downhill from 8-track. Sorry, guys. It's been just... Come on, Jesus was the divine expression of God's thoughts and ideals for us. See, there was always a mandate on man is to cultivate and to protect the garden. It's that simple. We were to be fruitful and multiply 
and protect. And when we don't remember what God's word says, we can't protect. We have to remember he gave us the authority to protect. But when you take the authority away from the believer, then you take the authority away from him to protect his own garden. Only the devil would want you to know that you can't cut his head off in the garden. Come on, man. Listen, he begins to reassure his message of hope and restoration. Listen, just as Isaiah did in chapter one, go to Isaiah chapter one. And Isaiah... He began to preach when there was relative peace and prosperity. But before long, that peace and prosperity began to deteriorate in Israel. And there was a lot going on on the international scene because Assyria was gaining to be a superpower. And so as Isaiah begins to preach, he starts out pretty sternly because God is beginning to show him the condition of where the people of Israel are. And so he begins to preach in verse 10. This is what got me. He said, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now that is very telling to me because Sodom and Gomorrah was, I'm talking about there wasn't but one even close to being righteous and that was Lot. It was so wicked. It was so genderly confused. Come on. You had the men of the city showing up to Lot's house because the angel of the Lord's, two angels of the Lord showed up and were, and were in there in Lot's house and they showed up and said, hey, send them new guys out here. We're fixing to have relations with them. That's how wicked they were. Come on. And Isaiah calls Israel, you rulers of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's pretty stern, y'all. But yet his message was still of hope and repentant. Come on. Look what he says in verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Here's what he's telling them. If you will yield to reason and listen intelligently... See, and that's where we're finding ourselves in a culture that they don't want to hear intelligently. They want to go save a bunch of wells, but then kill all the babies. 
Come on. And then when we say that's not right, then we're unloving, bigoted, racist. Come on. No, that's not the case. The case is we want people to, listen, no guilt, no condemnation, because I know there's women in here that's had abortions. But that's why grace and mercy and what God has done, so you don't have to live in that shame, in that rejection, and not live up to the full potential of what God's called you to be. It doesn't mean you're worthless. What Jesus did on the cross for you is what he's done is, is decisions that we made where we missed the mark. When we repent, there's still hope and a future. Come on, there's no, listen, I don't care if you're living in a lesbian or homosexual lifestyle, there is, there is the thing called repentance and you can still walk out of that and live a productive life in the kingdom of God. Come on, man, are y'all with me in here? That's why there's no guilt and condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because he's gonna walk us through it because he says, let us reason here. Let's think about this intelligently. Can two bulls have a calf? No, let's move on. Come on, are y'all with me? You boys got that? I mean, it's that simple. See, when we miss the mark, Jesus said, hey, I've made a way to get you out of that kind of captive, chained to that thinking. And man, I can put you on a path. Listen, that's way more than just raising your hand in a room full of people with their eyes closed and their head bowed, saying a prayer, and just sitting and waiting to go to heaven. That ain't what Jesus died for. He died that you could believe that you could be redeemed and have a life worth living. Come on, man. See, Jesus is always going to be a voice of reason in the midst of total chaos. Always. It doesn't matter what time, where we're at, what we're doing. I don't care what news channel you watch. Jesus is always going to be a voice of reason. Always. And with all the sheer foolishness that's going on, we need people that are have reason and can communicate intelligently the gospel that God loves them regardless of what's going on in their life. Because I'm telling you right now, the old thing about just standing on a street corner screaming at people with a sign around your neck saying, repent you sinners, that just didn't work. You know what I'm saying? It just didn't work. I was a Christian and seen it and was like, that's stupid. Because all you did was just make, you pushed people away. 
you didn't draw nobody in. Come on, are y'all with me? I'll never forget Tim Stewart was in Sturgeon, had a cross. He was bearing his cross. It was so funny. He was bearing his cross, going down to, during Sturgis, and there's like, and don't tell how many millions of people go to Sturgis. And he's walking down the street with his cross on his shoulder, and he looks over there, and there's a woman who painted, body painted her body and was butt naked. And she was sitting there waiting for the usual reaction from somebody that's carrying a cross of repent, you sinner. And Tim does the greatest thing. He's walking along and he looks over there and sees her and she's listening and he goes, ha, I'm a cross dresser. <laughs> and she just went, oh yeah. See, you can either repel. Come on. See, most Christians would be offended by this painted naked lady. No, man, I'm going to point it out and laugh with you. Oh, y'all didn't hear that at all. Y'all didn't hear that. I'm telling you right now. Show me one. We're fixing to go talk eyeball to eyeball. Man, how'd you do that? Eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> That's right. I'm not dumb. Come on. I, I know. Eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Come on, man. Ain't God fun? God can be fun. Hey, let me tell y'all something. If, how many of y'all watched The Chosen? Few hands. If you've never watched The Chosen, I'm telling you right now, that's your homework. Go home, download it, watch it. Because finally, somebody made a movie about Jesus that isn't dumb. He's not walking around floating on a cloud, frail and fall, just trip over a rock and fall to pieces. Talking, talking in Shakespearean. What did you say, JJ? JJ said the funniest thing. King James is Shakespeare for Christians. I thought that was the funniest thing. I told him I'd give it to you once. From now on, it's come from me. You know? <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's just real life. And here's the part that cracked me up. This is what's a, he's sitting in the house and a guy, and he's sitting there talking and preaching and, and a guy comes up in the window and he goes, hey, you're that guy that turned water into wine at that wedding. He goes, yeah. And he goes, hey, can you do that at the well at my house? <laughs> Finally, a real show about a real, you know what I mean? Come on. Go back to Luke 24, verse 21. But we were hoping, 
And listen, there's a lot of failed expectations that we have to deal with in life. And we have to learn to navigate through all that. See, there's always going to be those moments that shatter, come on, our hope. But that's what Jesus came to do. And, And let me just tell you this right now. See, this is why the message of process is so important. Because when you first believe in Christ, yes, you say a prayer of repentance. I'll never take that away. You hear me? You got to repent. Because what that does is, is that gets you back in the starting gate to start a process of working out your salvation through fear and trembling. Following grace to get what you don't deserve while mercy has your back keeping you getting what you do deserve. Does that make sense? So it is a process and you are learning about the kingdom, how it affects your life and what affects the lives around you. That's going to happen. It is a process that we learn to walk through all the time. I don't know how in 2003, any of y'all that's been here from the time we started church put up with me as a preacher back then. Because I think back some of the things, I, I thought, I'm like, that is, that is crazy. Come on. Some of the things we did, we shut the church down and went and did a church in Oklahoma. If you can find us, you can worship with us. I mean, we just did crazy things. But listen, it's a process that we go through. See, we can't let our past or failed expectations in our way of thinking not see what Jesus is doing in our life. We can't. Look in verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things to enter into the glory into his glory again he's asking another question so he's trying to make them think and remember not only what the scripture says but what he also said and this is very important because i'm telling you and i can't say it enough is because you're always going to have this noise you're always going to have this noise that's going on around you. There's always going to be something trying to buy your attention, something always trying to infuse doubt and worry and anxiety. We live in a time where anxiety is running high. And we just have to back up and we just have to remember what the Word says. And listen, and you can't, You have to study to show yourselves approved in this Bible right here. Because, listen, I I love this. There's a proverb in 1724. Wisdom in the presence of one who has understanding. That's discerning and observant. See, when, when wisdom 
is in the presence of the one who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. In other words, a fool is running around looking everywhere but what's right here. And I'm telling you, Pete, listen, an antichrist is out there and you'll find him. You can look for some strange stuff to justify sin in your life. It's out there. God's a loving God. Oh, if you love that person, you can fornicate with her. If you plan on marrying her, come on. Are y'all in here? See, and that's how we get so subtly drawn in to alive the devil. And the next thing you know, we're all jacked up. Come on. Look what he says. You foolish men, slow of heart. And beginning with Moses, with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he would go farther. And they urged him. They invited him saying, stay with us for it is getting too, toward evening and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Now, here's what's powerful about this. Here's what happens, and here's what we've got to do. It said he began with Moses and began to explain. In other words, he began to teach them history. See, how many times now do we have to explain history because we've gotten so jacked up on history that kids don't, you tell people nowadays, hey, you need to get saved. And they're like, from what? Isn't it my choice? Isn't it my preference? I feel like a woman today. I'm going in the woman's bathroom. Come on. See, we, we've twisted, and it's that crazy. And we're trying to tell people to get saved. They don't even know from what. Because what we've taught is evolution all these years, that there was a big bang, not an intelligent design. We've got to go past Moses. We've got to go all the way back to intelligent design that God said spoke the earth into being. See, there's got to be a gospel reset. That's what's happening. That's what Jesus was doing. He was resetting their thinking because they were thinking right now and God and Jesus was thinking past and future. Come on, are y'all hearing me? See, we've got to realize that God is way bigger than what's going on in our culture right now. And we've got to figure out how we fit in it. 
And the only way to do that is to begin to study our history. And then what we need to do is recognize when Jesus is in our midst and we begin to break bread. Come on, man. We begin to break bread, break this word of God down, and then we can multiply. He said he took it, he blessed it, and he broke it. God is about multiplying. That's what God's about. And so at some point, our methods of doing things are going to have to change. The message will never change, but our method is going to have to. Come on. See, we've got a whole generation out there taught and been entertained by the world, the best the world has to offer. We've got a whole generation out there that looks at the church as tomp, tanky, 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 tomp, tanky, 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 still singing the same old 15th century hymns. Come on. Still preaching the same old get saved message. Come on. And we ain't never taught them how to live right now in the way, the truth, and the life. And I came that you may have life and life abundantly. But what we tell everybody is, is, oh, it's just going to be, you just got to sit down here and just hang out and wait till Jesus comes. Come on, man, are y'all in here? See, there's more to this. We've got something to do. We got to occupy. Listen, I want, I want to, I want to worship God like He is the greatest thing. Just like we did this morning. How great are you, God? How honoring is that to God when you give Him the best? How awesome! How I'm. And to watch Reno step into that and follow where worship was going, I'm like, high five, Jack. Because I'm telling you, letting him do that, drawing it out, letting people do that, come on, are y'all with me? Man, if you missed Wednesday night, Destin was talking about how him and Jack go back and forth, but come on. But they work it out. And they're doing what God's called them to do. How amazing is that? And you look around, you see people getting fit into the ministry. And the next thing you know, man, we're making this thing rock and roll and we're going somewhere. Come on, man. Mick Jagger didn't invent rock and roll. Jesus did that 2,000 years ago. The rock that rolled. I know, that's about as corny as it gets right there. JJ's like. (laughs) Come on, are y'all with me? (laughs) Listen, in 1 John 2, 18, look what it says. And here's what you have to understand especially in our time. It says, children, it is the last hour and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have risen from this, 
From this, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know. Look what it says in verse 25. And this is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. And as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Listen, when we abide in him and we begin to break bread and we begin to discuss, come on, listen, the anointing that is in you, you all have an anointing in you. You all have a purpose. You all have a reason while you're here. Every one of us, there is something that we can do. Listen, the spirit of Antichrist has always been there and a lot of times it comes up from amongst us. That's never gonna change. Come on. It's always gonna be there. But does that affect us? No, not one bit. Because what we're going to continue to do is we're going to continue to occupy and we're going to continue with a message of hope, repentance, and God has a great future for you. Who doesn't want, who can, who can defute that? God wants you, he has a plan for your future. Why do we want to, why is there a movement out there that is bashing ministers for preaching a message of hope. I don't get it. I don't understand that. When it's so clear right here in the word, he has a future and a hope for you. That's why he delivered you and redeemed you with a ransom. He bought you with his own life. Come on, man. John 16, remember what Jesus said, verse 13? But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to help you think. Come on. It's a promise. And what happens is, is when a minister stands before you and ministers, doesn't matter who it is, what you're going to do is, is you're going to jot down notes. And when you jot down notes, you're going to go home and you're going to look, see if he lines up with what the word of God says. And the spirit of God on the inside of you is going to confirm yes or no. Come on. That's how that works. He will, he'll, he'll lead you and guide you. He'll help fix what somebody says that they may not have really even meant to say or how they said it. I've listened to a lot of preachers that sometimes they've said something and it wasn't quite right, but I knew what they meant. 
And, and I didn't go, oh, he's a heretic. <laughs> no. That's what immaturity does. That's what religion does. But a mature Christian fixes that. Come on. And then you just sit back and you keep walking in peace. But we got people out there that are doctrinal police. And they want to hammer you over everything you say. Let me tell you something. I ain't living under that mess. The Holy Spirit will fix me. And I go on. Come on. And it's the same way with you. Y'all are going to say the most boneheaded things when you're ministering to somebody. Yeah, from one who touches the monkey. Listen, you're going to say some things. Listen, I'd rather say something and miss it than not say anything at all. Because God will correct you. And his correction is, is just, it's just a father correcting you not to say, okay, you can't say a dead gum thing anymore. You say too many stupid stuff. That's not how God works. Listen, if that would have been the case, Peter would have never been Peter. Oh man, come on. Y'all hear what I'm saying? James and John, instead of them calling down thunder, he'd have just, you're out of here. Come on, is that freeing you up a little bit? Because I'm telling you, religion don't make it to where you won't say a thing because I just don't know. God would rather you be on the edge about to touch the monkey and get bit For y'all that don't know, Jim always had a fascination with that monkey that rides the dog. And, and when he was doing the market and he went to, to Jackson, Mississippi with me, we hauled bulls and horses. And it, there's that monkey on the dog. And, and Jim is like, I kept telling him, don't touch that monkey because that sucker will bite the crap out of you. Because he was mean, man. There ain't no lie. He was mean. Well, we've been there about a week and then all of a sudden we're standing in the alley and there's the dog and the monkey just right there. And Jim's got that look on his face right there. And I said, Jim, do not touch that monkey. And I, and I hear him giggle and I look and he's got his little finger like that reaching down because he just wanted to touch his hand. You know how his little hands was always busy all the time. And Jim is like, like a little kid. He's like, I'm like, he gets right to that monkey and that sucker. <laughs> Years later, this is the other day. He's at a zoo or I don't even know where he was at, but there was a monkey and the little monkey had his hand coming in and out and Jim started videoing. He finally touched the monkey. That's the story. You too can touch the monkey. As long as it's the right one. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Look in verse 30. 
in Luke 24. He disappears. And it came about when he's reclined, he broke bread, their eyes were open. Verse 32, and they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Come on, y'all stand with me. See, there's a point that we all get to when the noise that's going on around us where we have to make room for Jesus. All the events, the things that are going on in our life, all the bad decisions, missing the mark, what the doctors are saying. Come on. What, what the news is saying. At some point, we've got to step back and invite Jesus in and make room and say, Lord, listen, what's going on? That's how you ignite that fire again in your heart. See, and we're living in a day where the devil is trying to put out that fire. He's trying to sow seeds of doubt, worry, trying to get us in our head. Come on, take those thoughts captive. Remember what Jesus said. If you don't remember, then get in and start studying what he said. And listen, and as you begin to read the word and he's, as he begins to show you, listen, you start, think, you start fixing that thinking. Start fixing your life, repenting where you missed the mark and picking up and going. And as you start lining your life out, then you become a direct reflector of the kingdom of God, confirming that Jesus is alive. Because what happens is people are gonna be, begin to see your life changing and they're gonna be going, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. If there was hope for him, man, there's hope for me. Come on, are y'all with me? Father, we come to you. We thank you today that Lord Jesus, that you did come and you did redeem us. You paid the ransom to release the captives. Lord, we don't have to be captive to our past failures. We don't, be, we don't have to be captive and chained and imprisoned by missing the mark. That God, you redeemed us through your son, Jesus. And that if we will begin to reason, if we'll begin to think intelligently, and we'll begin to respond correctly, you'll line us out with a hope for our future, for what you're gonna do in our life. And Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand. Thank you for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more, you can subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. If you would like to give towards our ministry, there are giving options available at dcctx.church. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.